Please repeat. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Mangalam Gurudevaya Devi Matriksha Mangalam Mangalam Bhakta Brindevyo Sarva Lokaya Mangalam Om Stapakaya Chudarmasya Sarvadarma Sarupine Avatara Varishta Ramakrishnaya Mangalam Om Sara Shiva Samarambam Shankaracharya Majamam Ashwaracharya Prayandam Vande Gurum Parambaram So we sang some Shiva and Ganga songs tonight because the section we are on Srimad Bhagavatam in a very brief description describes the coming down of Ma Ganga, the descent of Ganga Devi, the river Ganga, to the earth plane. And it takes part this we're in the reading from the uh, ni- uh, ninth skanda, nice in the ninth canto of the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, chapter eight and nine. And there's some back, like everything, there is a background story and background stories and background stories. And this section that we're reading from is one of the requirements for a Purana is that it has to describe lineages of ancient kings and dynasties, right? So it's, so it's mentioning, you know, this king had 100 sons, two of his sons did this, and they had 32 daughters that got married to certain sages, and one of those sages had another king's son. You know, so it's these ancient lineages that are very uh, ancient history. Thank you. Puranic history, mythological history, or ancient history in India, and it's important. It's the, uh, the these ancient texts of Puranas are the repository of that ancient knowledge and lineages, um, but they're not so necessarily. Int- each one of these characters is interesting, but they're just told by the way usually, just to get you. Actually, we're going quickly so we can get to Bobby uh, Mike next week or the following week. Uh, we begin the story of Lord Rama. Right, so a bunch of sages ha- and, and rishis and uh, kings have been mentioned. So in this, there's a mention of, uh, uh, just very quick, just a few paragraphs each, uh, uh, of uh, uh, the descendants of these kings up to the point of uh, Sagara. Uh, uh, and uh, Sagara now, we use the term to mean ocean. right? But actually there was a name of ancient king. It says that his children dug the ocean. This is a very ancient way of looking at things, mythological way of looking at things. Um, so, uh, Sagara's descendants, eventually his children, uh, ended up end up being, uh, it says cursed by, they were reduced to ashes by insulting a sage. Anybody know the sage they insulted? No, it's a good guess. Usually if you insult Ravasa, you get cursed, right? <laughs> they insulted uh, 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 Kapila, right? Uh, Kapila is the founder of, uh, uh, is considered an incarnation of God, and, he, and the founder of the Sankhya school, a philosophical, analytical school of philosophy, a great saint, uh, who some uh, modern saints said that his abode was in California. Uh, Swami Shivananda from Rishikesh said that California is Kapila Ranyaka. This is the forest of Kapila. That I don't, I don't know what evidence is, but he said like that. Uh, the ancient world around the area of Mount Shasta, they, some people hold. Uh, that's a by the way. So, anyways, uh, um, uh, so I'm going to just read a few verse, a few set uh, paragraphs. Um, may not make perfect sense, but some of the characters getting up to the point of, Kapi- uh, of Sagara's children being burnt. And then we'll pick up the story. And then I've translated some verses myself when it comes to the descent of Mother Ganga to save them. Let's see. So, so Sagara, actually Sagara means uh, he was born was poison. So his mother, uh, his father died. He was a great king. And on his, his, his mother while she was pregnant, wanted to jump, was so overwhelmed with grief, she wanted to kill herself and throw herself in the fire of her husband's funeral pyre. But then uh, her gu- the, gu- the family guru stopped them and says, no, no, you're pregnant. You have to, uh, 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 you have to uh, live, right? Your child is a, will be the next king. 
but that in ancient is a problem when you have more than uh, the polygamy system. The other co-wives, they wanted their children to be king, so they tried to poison her, right, in the story. And so because of that, but the Lord protected him, and so he was born with poison but unharmed. That's why his name is Sagara. So it's interesting, the name of the ocean is with poison. <laughs> interesting. Anyway, so he, uh, uh, so it says, following instructions of his preceptor, uh, Aruva, Sagara, King Sagara performed Ashmaveda sacrifice, his adoration to supreme being, of whom the Vedas and the, and the gods are embodiments. To, to obstruct this yagna, Indra stole away the horse meant for the sacrifice when it was let loose for grazing. So this is a re reference is called the uh, Ashmaveda sacrifice. This is the way kings uh, uh, legitimated their rules in the ancient world, they performed a very elaborate and costly sacrifice. That's one of the ways they could show they're powerful, they could do, they could afford to sacrifice. At the point of it, it was called a horse sacrifice, they'd let a horse go. And that horse would move around for one year. And the king's army would follow that horse. Right? And every, no matter where the horse went, it went to any other kingdom, to show that that king was powerful, none of the other kings would obstruct would get in the way of those armies, right? To show how much power the king had. Oh, he's so powerful. If his armies come through, means MP becomes emperor, right? And if they put up a fuss, then there's a battle. This is a very ghastly sacrifice, right? But it says that Indra, the king of the gods at that time, trying to uh, obstruct that sacrifice, stole the horse. Uh, following the instruction, oh, sorry, uh, uh, Sagara had two queens, Sumati and Kish. Uh, Kishini, the son, uh, the son of Sum oh, sorry. The sons of Sumati, proud of their strength, went searching for the horse at their father's command and dug up all earth around all the all around the earth in the course of their quest. This is what dug up the in ancient world's mythological. They dug up the oceans this way. In the northeastern direction, they saw the sage Kapila, in a state of meditation, with the horse standing by his side. Here is that horse lifter. Here is the horse thief. So you see uh, the sage Kapila with that stolen horse next to his side. So they think immediately that that uh, um, that sage must be the one who stole the horse. Here is that horse thief. Here, uh, here he sits with eyes closed as if he was in samadhi. Kill him! So cried out the princes with their weapons uplifted when the sage opened his eyes. Deprived of their intelligence by Indra, they sought to insult that great sage. And as a consequence... They perish in the fire that came out of their own evil-possessed bodies. So immediately, I think there are hundred sons, I think. Hundred or thousand sons, you know? Uh, um, I think the hundred sons of Sagara, immediately by their uh, insult or uh, bad thought towards a sage, a fire within them consumed them. This is the scene. The common belief that Sagara's sons died in the fire of the anger of Kapila is wrong. How can you attribute anger, a product of tamas or of darkness and ignorance, to a person who is all pure in sattva and who could sanctify the whole world? It would be like attributing the dust which is of the earth to the sky. How can there be distinction between friend and foe for, the all, for an all-knowing sage who had become one with the supreme being and who set in motion the firm boat of the path of knowledge called Sankhya by which man could easily go across this ocean of the world? the playground of death, which is so difficult to cross. This is important that the, this, unlike like, uh, uh, who's our Dravasa, who easily curses people, uh, uh, Kapila is one with God completely, complete absorption. And therefore he cannot curse, he does not see good and bad, he does not see friend and foe. So he cannot be angry towards anybody. He cannot curse anybody. It said that the fire from their own, their own soul ignited a fire and burned them up. Right, their own conscience, you could say, their own. Uh, uh, you can also say your own, their own karma by their, that in, by that evil intention to kill a sage and wrong thinking towards a devotee, a great saint, that that consumed them. So I'm going to skip a little bit to get to the park with the Ganga. Uh, uh, uh. So that Sagara, he 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 performs. Uh, he thinking. Oh, so eventually. They search out that uh, what happened to their son. The sons didn't come back, and they search out and they find uh, uh, just a pile of ashes where his sons were, and the sage didn't there. And they ask the sage, and they, they praise to the sage, "What uh, you are a great being? What happened?" And, this, and uh, let me see. Uh, 
see here. If I go that too much of this, all right. Look at Pilo said, Dear one, you may take away the sacrificial horse to your grandfather. As for your gr uh, granduncles who have been reduced to ashes, nothing but the holy water, the Ganga, can purify them. So the only way that they'll be purified is that they have to be uh, only the water, the Ganga. But at this time, there's no Ganga. There's many ancient stories before this. Ganga is a child of the Himalayas, but she goes and lives in heaven, the heavenly realms. Right? She lives in... Uh, uh, in, in, in the highest uh, imaginable realms as a divine goddess, a form of the goddess. So how to bring her down to purify the, the ashes of the sons of Sagara? This is the question. Um, so let me... Sorry. There's 18,000 verses, so I have to pick and choose which ones which we shall read. So now reading the... the, the uh, Sagara couldn't uh, satisfy this request. Asuman, his child, performed tapas, austerities, for a very long time in order to bring a holy Ganga for the purification of his ancestors. But he could not succeed and had to die with his object unfulfilled. His son, Dilipa, also tried to accomplish this, but failed. In spite of this, his son, the famous Bhagarata, took up the task and performed great tapas for its accomplishment, performed tremendous austerities. This is where I translated my own verses here. Darshayam asatvam devi prasaunam varadam site ityukta swam abhir prayam samsa vantato nipraha. Thereafter, that Darshayam asatvam devi, that goddess, Mother Ganga, she gave darshan. Jaima, you've come. She, uh, 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 she, just like you disappeared, I opened my eyes and there you are. So like that, uh, the Ganga, he was doing tremendous austerities. Uh, Bhagaratta, the great, great, great grandson of Sagara, uh, whose children were reduced to ashes. Uh, um, great, great, great grand nephew of Sagara, I think, right? Because all his sons were, I think. Anyways. Uh, 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 so Mother Ganga appeared. Uh, 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 and she said, I am being pleased with you, I grant you a boon. Mm. Ask what you want. Being thus addressed, a king humbly bowed and revealed his desire. So the king, what was his desire? Please, you come to earth and you purify the ashes of my ancestors so that they can go to heaven. Because actually, why they can't, why they, it says actually that only they were not in heaven, they were in hell, right? Because they've died in very inauspicious death by their own evil karma, trying to have this uh, wrong thought towards the saints and a desire to kill innocent people an attempt to kill innocent people, that backfired on them and they were reduced to ashes. And so such a death is considered very inauspicious. It does not lead to... Uh, uh, they were stuck. Generation after generation stuck. No one could liberate them. Right? And, so, and, and that's a very... It's not a very big thing in the Western culture, but in, in many traditional cultures, including Indian culture, the, the fate of your ancestors is very important. Right, uh, our duty. We have a huge duty to our ancestors. We have duties to other humans. We have duty to uh, animals and plants. We have duty, duties to the gods. We have obligation and duty to uh, the sages. Right, uh, and we also have a big duty to our ancestors. Our immediate ancestors are our parents. They're the ones who brought us, who, uh, brought us into this world, who sacrificed so much for us like this. But their parents and their parents and their parents and their parents. We get our body from them. We get our culture from them. We get so much from them, right? And so we get so much from them, and therefore we also owe something to them. This is the idea, right? And so after death, uh, uh, and uh, one understanding of after death, one goes to the Pitruloka, realm of the ancestors, right? until one is reborn. And that could last... Uh, 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 Generally, it's considered the responsibility of the, our generation to pray for and feed and uh, be concerned for ten generations. 
right? Because after 10 generations, usually that soul had taken rebirth. Until those 10 generations, we have to, we do things called shraddha, we do uh, offer food and water, make prayers, certain pujas in holy places for their benefit. So this was he was he was he was he was thinking how can I uh, Bhagarata, It's not mentioned here in other places. Bhagarata, the king Bhagarata, he thinking like he couldn't sleep thinking. Oh, his ancestors. He has a hundred ancestors that are in hell suffering, and he can't do anything about it. Right? His God, his father couldn't do. Tried and failed. His great grandfather. His grandfather tried and failed. His great grandfather tried and failed. So he was thinking how to do it. How to do it. So he was praying like anything. Doing some. We don't. The the puja mentioned here is not mentioned. Not specified, but he says only tapas. He did tremendous austerity. Mother, please come and purify. Please uh, save my ancestor. Let me fulfill my duty to my ancestors. Uh, so Mother appear, uh, uh, Ganga appeared and says, Tell me what you want. I want you to come, fulfill my desire, and prepare for my ancestors. So Ganga said, Kopi dharya yita vegham. Ka api, kopi. Ka api means which person? Which person do what? Api dhar dharayita. Who will who will withstand? Who will hold? Who will uh, withstand? Vegam, the, my force. If I come to earth from the heavenly realms, I'll come with such power. Who can catch me? You want me to come? Who's that person who can catch me? Who can hold me? Patyanta me mahata mahitale Aryanta bhutalam bitva nirpa yasya rasatalam. If I come down otherwise, if no, nobody is there to catch me, nothing's there to hold me, I shall, I shall pierce this earth in half. I shall, I shall split the earth and go right to the, hel- the underworld. Right? So if I come from the heavenly realms and I come to earth, if nobody's there to catch me, who can catch me? You know, who, nobody's there to catch me. I'll come with such force, I'll, I'll destroy the world and go end up in hell. That's, and that won't serve either one of our purpose. I don't want to come. Her answer. Let's see. Kim chaham na bhuvam yasyaha. I don't want to come to this earth, to earth. Nara Amritya Agham. Actually, why? Because many humans will bathe in me. Naturally, if a river comes, I'll come just to, to, to purify the, the ashes of, this, of, of your ancestors. But so many people, including me, I bathe in the Ganga. When I'm in the, anywhere near the Ganga, we take at least one bath a day in the Ganga, if not more. Right? And so there's a great belief, and it comes from this, that if you bathe in the Ganga, your sins are washed away. She says, all these people will bathe in me and I'll be full of their sins. Who will purify me? Right? You're asking me to come but you haven't thought these two important points. Who's going to catch me? And why, if, I'm, if everyone's bathing, I'm taking all their sins, who will purify me? I'll be full of these sins. You can think of sins, actually. The, uh, um, also, you know, it's like when you wash, minimally dirt goes. Right? All filth goes. Right? All goes into the water. Who's going to purify me? Of this, right? I'm not. Uh, 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 where is it? Sorry. Rajams Tatra You think about this carefully before I, I'll come. I'm not willing to come. Oh, King, I do not wish to go down to the earth, planet Earth. Alas, I do not wish to come to Earth, as people will cleanse their sins in me in my water. Who will wash me of these sins? Oh, King, think carefully about this. Sri Bhagirata Uvacha. King uh, Bhagirat answers. Sadhavo Nashina Shantaha. Sadhus will purify. He says, not only human beings, not regular, not only us will bathe in you, but saints will also bathe in you. Uh, 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 sannyasis will bathe in you. Devotees will bathe in you. Pure souls, holy men, holy women will bathe in you also. Right. Sadhavo, uh, sadhus, nyasina, who are renounced, shantaha, and peaceful. Sadhavo. 
Brahma, Brahma, uh, Brahmishta, established in Brahman. Those who have realized Brahman, who are fully established in the divine. Actually, Brahma here, Brahmanishta, has two meanings. In, in, uh, uh, the, in, the highest meaning is one who is established in Brahman. Right? Uh, secondary meaning is one who follows the scriptures. Brahma means Veda. Brahman means the Absolute, and Brahma is the message of the Absolute, the Veda. So those who are following the Vedas will bathe in you, or those who are uh, realized and established in Brahman will bathe in you. Loka Pavanaha. They, these such beings, such people, such holy people, such devotees, they purify everything. Everywhere they go becomes pure. Right? So not... not uh, uh, Sadhus who are renounced, peaceful, established in Brahman, and saviors of the fallen will take these sins from you by bathing their bodies in your water. Hatyangam. For Hari, and then it is beautiful. Why? Because. Uh, where is it? Sorry. Hari Antya Agam. Hari, God, lives within, them, within their hearts. Right. That. So this is actually this verse is meaningful to me specifically. I was very excited. This today we've been uh, last few weeks we've been very frantically working here, doing construction and painting, and so it's been a little stressful. No chance to think about. I mean, uh, about an hour before RT, I thought, oh my God, we have a class today. We've been working, <laughs> so I jump and say, what's next in the verses? Right. But we got ah, okay. I like these. I like this verse. This has. I have history with this verse. One time I was, you know, as a young aspirant. You dream uh, egotistic dreams of holiness, right? Like, oh, if only I could live, I, I could live in the Himalayas, right, by the bank of the Ganga somewhere in the mountains, and have my own little cottage, and, and not have to worry about food. Somebody will bring my food, and I can just whole day long just meditate and pray and, and chant God's name and do puja and study without any disturbance. So, God, being very merciful and very funny, satisfied my prayers to the letter. Right, this is many years ago, I forget how many years ago, but I was in Rishikesh, in the bank of the Himalayas, at a little ashram called Vital Ashram, a little out-of-the-way place, a little bit, probably about 20-30 minutes from the river. You have to walk up, literally on top of a little mountain, near the, uh, away from everything. I had my own room, right, and, and the ashram was providing some food for me every day. So, ah, I got everything I need, right? <laughs> I can just meditate the whole day long, right? So after a few hours, what happens is your back starts hurting. <laughs> right? And after a few more hours, and your mind starts hurting. And then a few more hours, and your ego starts hurting because you realize you can't even sit still for a half hour, a couple hours without your back and mind hurting. Right? And really, you have to, all the, the garbage in the mind, just, you don't, we don't have nothing to distract you. Right? And uh, so I said, okay, I'm going to town. Rishikesh is a holy town. You get, you, you know, what happens if you get bored or you get bored as yourself, right? You have to, you go looking for company, right? You're looking for something to do. I will go into, so I go into a little bookstore. I know this bookstore very well. And I got, I, I need, I need, um, I need, I like, I love the Srimad Bhagavatam. I want to read stories. My problem is not reading, I need some stories. I didn't have a good books with me. So I got a one volume retelling of the Srimad Bhagavatam of this text. This is in, uh, in six, seven volumes, and word by word, but this is a su summary text of this by uh, some author. I forget. We have it in the original book. I still have somewhere. And I open it up. I'm going very good. So I get back to my my little cottage after eating pizza down in town. You know. Then I come back to my little t cottage. I think I may have had dysentery too. It was the whole thing. It's not just <laughs> in India. It's not just one thing. It's always ten things, right? I open up the book, and this is the verse I hear. Right. The Ganga. The Ganga is saying, "I don't want to come to Earth." Right, because who will purify me? And the king's saying, devotees will purify you. Right, because he says the devotees purify, that even the Ganga is purified by the devotees. We go to Ganga to be purified, but devotees and saints purify the Ganga. Right, and up to this point, I'm not telling so much of my previous uh, experience, uh, uh, my, the reason I wanted to live in a little cottage on the bank of the Ganga, have my food brought, because... You can, because because uh, people are distracting, but those people are devotees. I'm sorry, you can see here I am. You know, sorry, you're my distractions. Sorry, <laughs> loving, wonderful, holy devotees who think of God and are here for worship, right? And so this is the thing you're meant to react. And I just want to get away from all these people and just think of God, right? But even the Ganga needs devotees, 
right? I realized my problem, I didn't have, I wasn't, my mind, my mind wasn't strong enough to be without holy company. As soon as you're without, not even the Ganga can hold her purity in the, in, 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 uh, of course, in worldly company, you become impure. But even your own company, you <laughs> we're not very good. I'm, I'm myself, not the best company for myself, you know. So you need good company. Even the Ganga needs good company. This is this was a big realization. Then I got another room near town where I could visit the Swamis and Shivananda Ashram. I had better comp- I had better, I could uh, a better arrangement to, to 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 keep my mind going for a few more weeks. But this verse is, I remember this verse, I opened the book, I only read one verse, these two verses. I'm not coming, who's going to, uh, if I go, I'll become impure. No, no, saints will make you pure. Devotism, sadhu here means saint, sadhu means, in the Bible time, sadhu does not mean holy, does not mean monk, or ascetic, sadhu means devotee, generally speaking in Bhagavad language. Why? Because Hari, God lives in their heart. This is a very beautiful line. Actually, that makes there's a different there's a there's tattva and bhava. Tattva is like a, a fundamental truth principle. Like between a devotee and God, God, uh, 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 who's better? Who's better, God or his devotee or her devotee? Right. In bhava mood, oh, God's best. Right. And God is supreme, and I'm His servant. And, you know, we're all His servants. Right. But actually in Tattva, it says even in the scripture that a devotee is better than God, higher than God. Why? Because God serves, we're devotee thinking, oh, I'm serving God, he's the master. But the, God thinks how I serve the devotee. Right? The, the, uh, uh, Krishna, Arjuna was Krishna's charioteer. Right? That's one, many examples like that, where God is always serving the devotee. Right. And another amazing thing, the entire universe exists within God, but God can be held in the heart and mind of a devotee. Right. So that's also, these are, these are obviously a little bit mystical way of speaking, emotional ways of speaking, but this is a, a full of rasa, this text, full of emotion. For Hari indeed lives within them. That supreme God, who encompasses everything, is within the devotee. So he, remember, Ganga asked for two things. Who's going to hold me when I come down? And who's going to purify me when I become impure? So first question, second question answered. Devotees and saints will purify you. And first, to answer the first questions. Dharayi yati te vegham Rudras atma sharirinam Rudra, Shiva, he will hold, he will catch, he can hold your force. So you've seen many, maybe, maybe you've seen paintings and pictures of Ganga descending and landing on the, or, or any picture of Shiva usually has uh, the Ganga coming out of his hair. Right? It says that, so she landed in, we know where she landed. She landed, no, actually, we, she landed in Himalayas, right? Uh, an area near called Gangotri, the source of the Ganga. And there she landed, it says that he caught him, she caught him in his jatta, caught her in his jatta, in his dreadlocks, right? And if you, and so actually it says she came down and all these, she, from there she splattered everywhere. And, uh, and through all these little rivers, eventually they came down and formed one stream and comes down out of Hadwar and into the plains, right? And if you go high into the Himalayas, you really feel you're in God's dreadlocks, right? All the roads and all the way, you can, the way the hills come down, because it's like you see pictures paintings or statues of Shiva with his hair like that. You totally feel that, his, that it's landed in him and, and comes down like this. So that's the physical Himalayas, where, where, she, where Ganga landed. But what gives, what about the actual the metaf- metaphysical uh, Himalaya, the metaphysical Shiva, Rudra? Why can he hold? He says, Atma Sharirinam. He is a self of every embodied being right so that shiva is not just a deity with looks like you know, the moon holds the tree show and lives in the himalayas he's not just the himalayas that catch the ganga he is the self he is the soul right that shiva that holds the ganga there's a physical ganga that came down that, that's the mother of india right that gave birth to and nourishes india still the physical ganga but it's, Ganga is a divine stream of consciousness that descends and is caught in our own self, 
Right? The self can hold the Ganga. Only the self can. The earth can. If it hits the earth, it will spl- shatter the earth. That's what the story says, right? But Rudra can catch it. Shiva, our own, con- our own self, consciousness catches it. Hold, can hold that descent of grace, that powerful descent of grace. <coughs> Actually, that, then it says, very nice. Uh, my eyes aren't working today. Let's see. Or my glasses aren't clean. One of the two. Yasmin otam idam proktam visham sativa tantushu. It says he is just like. Uh, we don't have. Uh, I guess the the uh, you know this this warp and woof. You heard this term. It's not. It's it's lost. It's. It's, uh, I don't know how else to translate this term. Uh, in, in, you know, Fifty years ago, this was a common term in old translations of the, of, of the uh, Upanishads, of the common term. In, in cloth, there's strings that go this way and strings that go this way. It's called the warp and the woof. <laughs> right? So that the, things that make, the thing that make a cloth right, is the warp and woof. He says Shiva, Rudra, is the warp and woof of, this, of the Vishva, of this entire universe. Right? Consciousness, the self... The self of all beings is the thing that, that that's everything's made out of. He's he's become everything. He's the support of the entire universe. Rudra will sustain the forest, for he is the self of all embodied being, being the warp and woof threads of the cloth of this universe. Right, so it's very nice, right? That Shiva, that divine consciousness. Uh, uh, uh. If we internal, we can. There's many that we internalize it as yogis. And we externalize it as devotees, as Lord Shiva and the Himalayas and Mother Ganga and the Ganges River, but also as uh, 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 as yogis, we also know this is this is the soul, this is the self of all, this is the foundation of every the warp and woof, the thing that it makes everything. That's going to hold. That can hold this descent of grace. So that's the answer. I shall you uh, uh, the saints will purify you, and Shiva will catch you. So now you have to get Shiva to awaken and do something for you. And so how do you get Shiva to do something? Always. Hmm? Tapasya. tapasya. Shiva loves tapas. That's why he's always seen as a yogi. Right? Auster- he likes austerity. Right? So what does this mean? Also to get Shiva, to please Shiva, right, you have to do austerity. Right? And so Shiva is also known as very easy to please. Doesn't take much austerity because if you take Shiva here, it's a, the story is oh you do austerities you get Shiva to come and and, and do and, and 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 give you a boon, but taking as yogi if Shiva has just been defined as your own consciousness as your own self the self of all beings the warp and woof of everything, what does it mean to please him and get a boon? That means for him to wake up to respond, right? You want to wake up your soul, you have to do sadhana. It's called tapas, right? By sadhana by austerity. Necessarily, you don't have to put your hand in the air. It means you do japa, you do meditation, you do yoga, you do service like this, whatever the austerity. A little bit of self-control and higher thinking, that's tapas. Right? He becomes pleased. So then the king, uh, uh, he performed, the, then the king performed austerities in order to please, it says deva, it means God here, he means rudra, shiva. In a short time, O king, Isha became pleased. Isha is the name for Shiva. Atushita, he became satisfied and pleased. Make sure, eight, nine, yes. Being thus addressed by the king, Shiva, who does good to every realm, this is uh, Sarvaloka Hita Shivaha. Shiva who only does good to in every realm, to every being, to everything. He's, Shiva means good, actually. Shiva means that which is good and beneficent. Shiva, the all-pervading consciousness, the self of all beings, the warp and woof of this entire universe. Right? He only wants to do good. So he, uh, he, he, he put Shiva put his full. Like he said to put his full attention. The Ganga, who is pure, coming uh, and, and held, and Dharana, he held and caught the Ganga, the descending Ganga, that came from the feet of Hari. Paraputra Jalam Hari. That Ganga descended, that, uh, who is completely pure, coming from the feet of Hari. This is a reference to an earlier story read in the Bhagavatam 
of how the uh, Ganga said to come from the feet of Hari. There's many stories of how it comes from the feet of Hari. And one story we read a few months ago, maybe a month ago, of um, uh, the dwarf Vamana. Vamana, he, uh, a little dwarf, in one step he covered the earth, another step he covered the heavens, and the third step he pierced the highest realm, the Satyaloka, where Lord Brahma lives, right? And it says his foot pierced that heaven, that heaven world, and Brahma took his water pot and, and began to pour water to wash the feet of Vishnu. That water came down, that's the Ganga. There's one story like that. So the Ganga is coming, it's the foot wash of, of, of Lord Vishnu, uh, descended through the, through the atmosphere and caught in the hair of, of Shiva. So this is a very, this deals with a very esoteric, that's an ec- external story, but it deals with a very esoteric yogic idea. Right, the source of the Ganga is 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 uh, is is actually here. It's laid in other verses. Achuta, it's from that infinite, uh, infinite being, and descends into to the self, to the soul, and caught like that. Being thus addressed by the king, Shiva, who does good to every realm, sustained with full attention the Ganga, who is pure, coming from the feet of Vishnu of Hari, Bhagiratha, the sage king. This is Raja Rishi. He's not a normal king. The sage king brought the purifier of the world, the stream of Ganga, to the place where the bodies of his forefathers lay being burnt to ash. The great and saintly king Bhagirata brought the Ganga, which can deliver all the fallen souls to that, to that place on earth where the body of his forefathers lay burnt to ash. Bhagirata drove his chariot as swift as the wind, followed by the Ganga, purifying many lands until soaking the ashes of Sagara's son. So this is some paintings like this also you sometimes see. So as the Ganga descended and hit the, hit the mountains, came down to the plains, and then Bhagirata got, he says, Ganga saying, take me to your son, take me to the ashes. Jumped in his chariot and, and flew across India, right, as fast as the wind and the, and the, and the pouring torrential river following Right, and eventually, where it where does it go? It go it hits uh, 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 the Bay of Bengal, Ganga Sagar. Ganga Sagar right, Ganga Sagar it means where the so usually Ganga, Sagar means ocean, and Ganga is that river. So where the Ganga hits the ocean, this place is called Ganga Sagar. But Sagar is ancient king whose sons, children are there, and born, burnt uh, uh, the ashes of his sons are there, right? So the Ganga where it purifies the children of Sa- the 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 children of Sagar, that is Ganga Sagar. And we also know the date where it happens. You know, you know the date. You've been to, Gang- you've been to Gang- Sagar Miller. It was uh, you both went. Huh? That is uh, 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 Makar Sakranti. That is 14th January. Right, Makar, this is all very, there's astrological knowledge, yogic knowledge, historical knowledge, everything is in this story, right? Uh, 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 where the sun moves northern directions into uh, Makar is, um, which uh, one constellation? That's a uh, an English constellation for Makar. I'm forgetting. It's yeah. Anyways, it's an auspicious. Uh, hmm? What is it? Capricorn. Capricorn. Thank you. It's Capricorn. Yeah. He, uh, sun moves into Capricorn. It's one of the few holidays that we celebrate that's based upon the sun, which means it's a solar. It's always on the same date, 14th, 15th of every month. There's a there's a sakranti, a movement of the sun from one sign to another, but that exact moment when the sun moves from uh, into that into Capricorn northern direction it's said to be anybody that dies during that time goes to the heavenly realms so many uh, 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 what is it um, um, uh, bed of arrows uh, graf- grandfather Bhishma right he was waiting till that time to happen right eight days later he left his body he also waited several about a month and a half on the bed of arrows waiting for an auspicious moment where he can leave his body right uh, so similar, so so that mo- so that's very significant. If you leave your body after Makar Sakranti, then you go and you, you attain the heavenly realms according to uh, common Hindu belief. So the Ganga re- rushes across the plains of India, purifying everywhere. Every land it touches becomes pure. Right. So you can think, what does that mean? It brings actually Ganga. We call her Mother Ganga, Ganga Mata. Right. She really is a mother. Right. She has given. Uh, she gave. Uh, in ancient, you have the Indus River, you have the uh, Saraswati River, which is no longer uh, above ground. And with the cataclyptic, cataclyptic shifts 
and uh, uh, where the where we, India lost its Saraswati River, the whole culture had to move to the Ganga Basin, Ganga Yamuna Basin, and that became the mother of the, uh, truly a mother of a whole civilization, right? Of uh, 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 fertile soil and you know, drinking water and everything, and poetry and religion and mysticism, everything comes from the Ganga flow. Everywhere she goes, it purifies many lands. Desam punanti nirdolagam tam. And it reaches the ocean, or it reaches the the ashes of Sagar Sons right on the 14th January, right, and soaks the ashes simply by the simply by the ash of their bodies touching the water. Although punished for offending a Brahmana, the sons of Sagara attained heaven. Now this is the punchline of the story. So that simply, and this is why that sooner the the Ganga water touched the ashes. The, the souls attained heaven. So what happens, the most common thing when somebody dies in India, they're, they're uh, cremated, and everybody's goal is to have their ashes put in the Ganga. There's a reason for it, right? The Ganga originally came down to purify the souls of uh, by purifying the ashes. Uh, uh, uh. Actually, sannyasis who live by the Ganga, sannyasis aren't supposed to be uh, uh, cremated. Right, everyone's cremated and the ashes put in the Ganga, but sannyasis aren't cremated, not supposed to be cremated. Sometime out of convenience and hygiene, they're cremated, because at the time of our uh, sannyasa initiation, we perform our own cremation ceremony, so no need to do the rites twice. You're already considered dead to this world. So, but it's called jal samadhi. You simply take the body and throw it in the Ganga. <laughs> this is the thing, right? And uh, 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 thousands of sadhus have been th- th- thrown in the Ganga. Uh, if if it's a specially famous sadhu, sometimes they'll be uh, the disciples want to bury the body in a traditional way, and there's tombs called samadhis. Uh, like my guru is uh, uh, buried at our ashram in Allahabad, but he told actually his disciples, when I die, you wrap me. He gave instructions: you wrap me in orange cloth, you take me in the middle of the boat, you chant Muhammadan Jaya, throw me in the water. Don't spend money because the ashram was poor, right? Because to build a samadhi would be costly. You know, it don't cause any problems. But then his successor, Swami Omananda, said, Guruji, I'm not satisfied. You, you, I'll do if you tell me to, but my desire is like you buried your guru in a samadhi. I want to also uh, entomb you properly so you can still be the center of our ashram. He says, okay, okay. And he gave me, he even pointed, this is the place you bury me. <laughs> and then he said, don't, don't spend money. Don't spend any, any uh, marble, make it nice, a simple, cheapest way you can do. That's where he's buried. But his instruction was just... After I die, you throw Swami, one of the great saints, one of our gurus also, Swami Chidananda Sarasvati from Rishikesh, the great successor, Swami Shivananda. His very clear instructions that the second he dies, you take me to the nearest point where the Ganga is and throw me into the Ganga. Don't, and nobody should say my name. There should be no chanting of mantras and there should be no announcement in the newspaper. Right? <laughs> that was his very strict instruction. Some of those instructions were followed. Not everyone. <laughs> but uh, uh, that's the tradition. Because the Ganga is sufficient. You put my body in the Ganga, I'll be purified. You throw my ashes to the Ganga, you'll be purified. There is n- the sons of Sagara attained heaven by contacting the Ganga with their ashes of their bodies. What to speak of those who serve the goddess with faith, determination, and vows. Right, so this story is is many things, of course, are in the story, but if this is true of just of, of the ash, somebody's dead body's ashes touching the Ganga, what to speak if while living we spend our life worshiping, serving the Ganga, uh, uh, with devotion, with shraddha, uh, shraddha, uh, sevata, dritta, vrata, with vows, with determination, with uh, uh, worship, and with faith. And sincerity, right? And so the Ganga is very easy to serve. Actually, despite if you ever, many people here have been to the Ganga, you can just think of her and she comes. That's the amazing thing about her. That mantra we chanted: Swagatam Gange, come Gange, Sharanagatam, I take refuge in you, Pranamamyaham, we uh, bow to you. That simple act. Actually, Scripture says many places: just say Ganga and you're purified. Right, she's so purifying. Because she's this holy river, but she's also an, a goddess. She's also a stream of consciousness. In deep meditation, even doing good kirtan, something happens. You can sometimes feel a descent. You do, we think, of, like in kundalini yoga and yoga, we always think of we have to ascend. We have to, kundalini has to go. 
there's a fiery ascent. But then there's a cooling descent. There's a downward flow of magnetism, a very a subtle thing that yogis can feel. Sometimes in a really good kirtan, you feel something, some mystical shower comes down, right? In- internally, this is the descent of Ganga yogis. Say, okay. Also, worshiping Ganga is can be simple. What do you do? You take. Uh, you stand in uh, the, the Ganga Puja is simple you stand waist deep in Ganga you take a handful of water and you pour it to the Ganga this is called worship giving Ganga water actually Krishna says in Uddhava Gita that the wa- Ganga is worship by pouring Ganga water that's simple right so Ganga is not reduced when you pull pull her up and she's not increased by pouring water into her and she has nothing to lose or gain but we become purified by thinking like this right Krishna says in the Gita, same, he says, if one offers me a flower, fruit, water, uh, uh, a leaf, with love and devotion, I accept it. But Krishna doesn't need flowers, fruits, and water. He has everything, right? God, here we're offering fruit and milk and paisham and like that, but Kali is not hungry, right? It's not like if we don't give her fruit, she's going to starve, right? We're only giving her things. We're giving water of the Ganga to the Ganga. We're using Ma to worship Ma. We become purified by doing so. If even think, even... Touching the Ganga with your dead ashes purifies you. What to think of, of just offering her, offering knowingly with love and devotion, offering her back to her. This is, this is what all puja is, worshipping her with her. Her items are only her. There is nothing to wonder about this, about what has been said. For the water of the Ganga is said to emanate from the lotus feet of the unlimited one, Ananta Charana Ambuja. Ambuja. Thus freeing one from all bondage. Sages, final verse, sages directing their minds with faith, free from stain, can immediately give up the three gunas, so difficult to overcome and attain the self. So this is a very strange little mantra that comes at the end of the story, because it doesn't refer to Ganga. Right? And so the topic here, the subject is Ganga Devi. Right? And the last verse says it comes from the feet of Vishnu. So it could, you could think the next topic is Vishnu. But here it's not even Vishnu. It's now it's about that uh, this is, all these stories are meant to get, take, take you to this verse. Sages, Munis, here it says Munis, uh, with great attention, they focused their mind with faith and devotion, Shraddha. Right? So this is what we're supposed to do. This is what real worship of the Ganga is. With faith and devotion, and concentration, you focus your mind on the self. It says, free from stain. Shraddhaya uh, muna uh, ammalaha. Uh, uh, means without any disturbance, without any uh, stain, without any impurity. Ment- actually, impurity is mental impurity. What's mental impurity? If God is within, we say we said that the, the devotee has God existing within. So external thinking is a mental impurity. When you sit for meditation, a distraction comes, that's called amala. Amala means without any stain. So we have this mantra, the very first mantra in every puja, Om, we, actually we, we hold water and go Om Vishnu, Onamol Vishnu, right, and we sip. Why? That because it comes from, that's, that becomes Ganga water. Water comes from, the water comes from the Ganga, so that water, Om Vishnu, thinking of Vishnu becomes Ganga water, and you sip. And then you say, Om Tad Vishnu Paramam Param. No, sorry, no. Om Apavitra Pavitra Apavitra, Apavitra means unclean. Pavitra, or clean. Apavitra Pavitrava Sarva Vastam Gudopiva. Or in any other condition, whether I'm clean, or pure, or impure. Apavitra Pavitrava Sarva Vastam, or in any other condition. Right? Apavitra Pavitrava Sarva Vastam Yashmaret Pundari Kaksham. If one simply remembers Yashmaret, the lotus eyed one. And this mantra means Vishnu. It means God. If one simply remembers God, what it? Outside and inside, suchi, one becomes clean. Right? So this is the whole thing is how to, if by thinking of God, we become pure. By forgetting God, we become impure. So whether we're clean, whether we're pure and impure, simply remembering God makes you pure, inside and out. Right? Of course, before puja we bathe, before coming to the temple you take a bath, you put on clean clothes, we wash the fruit, we wash the flowers, we clean the shrine, we do everything to be clean. 
right? But actually, all that's what are we doing? By doing, are you thinking I'm bathing because I'm coming to the temple? I'm thinking of God. I'm washing the fruit because these are offerings to God. We're thinking of God. Each one of these actions makes us think of God. That thinking of God makes us pure. That is Ganga Devi. That's her descent. Uh, uh, uh. So sages directing their minds with faith, free from stain, can immediately give up the three gunas. So, Trayagunyam, Dushtarajam, Hitva. The three gunas means this whole material world, of, made of mater, mater, a material world called made up of the three gunas. Sattva, Rajas, Tamas. This is, means this world which is very difficult to become free. But simply remembering God will become free. It's so different. So, so they can immediately give up the three gunas, or meaning this world, or the material world, which is so difficult to overcome. And said, uh, uh, Yata tat atmatam. And they attain atma, the self. The whole purpose of, these, of, this, of this section is a, a very using the story the ancient story of the descent of the Ganga to give us instructions in meditation. Because you have to remember this this is being told to a dying king, right? Parikshit, right? So it's very important <coughs> he knows what to expect when you die. But also more important is simply you, by doing this you, th- you, you can, uh, you can even in the midst of the world you can think of God and become pure, become free. You, uh, uh, there's, uh, I'm forgetting the verse right now, but just thinking by being rightly situated, rightly intentioned, it's a Gita verse, then one becomes, uh, half the verses there may come before I'm finished, uh, uh, one becomes, becomes like liberated. Even living in, 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 in within everything, by, think, by, by aiming your mind, having paramgati, having your mind towards God, right? you, even living in the world and all the complexities of the world, you be, you're like free. Right, it's because you're if you touch if you if the soul is always free. It's nitya, shuddha, mukta. Uh, there's one verse in Padma Purana. It's nitya, it's eternal. It's shuddha, it's always pure, and mukta, it's always free. There's one more adjective there. I forget, but it's always so. You're always pure. You're always free. You're always eternal. Right, but we look in the world of name and form and change. We get caught. Right, but it doesn't change, and it doesn't change anything. Because we're the, we're the foundation of this world of name and chain. Rudra, Shiva, he's the warp and move of everything, the soul of every living being. Right? So it's very, uh, each verses are beautiful ancient mythology, but they're the highest mysticism if we know how to read, how to, how to uh, attack them, how to in- investigate them. You have to think every verse of the, of the, um, of the Bhagavad especially is so much history, so much mythology, so much mysticism, but ultimately, it's a book, it's called Paramahansa Samhita, it's a yogic text, uh, a mystical text, with the highest truth realized by the, by the realized saints of Paramahansas. It's meant for them. Right? This is their expression to, to us. This is their message. Paramahansa Samhita is the message of the Paramahansas to us. So we can also attain that highest, highest, uh, 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 highest goal. Well, thank you for your kind attention. We also invoked the Ganga today because there's many fires, so it's good to invoke. <laughs> Calm, cool everything down. Thank you for your kind attention. We have Prashad. Adiyum <coughs> Tatsat. <coughs>